0: I mean, I'm passionate about proving people wrong. I mean, they said we couldn't win. And we had to make sure we got it done. I mean, once you, tell, once you tell me or my team that we can't do something, the only thing we can do is work as hard as possible to make sure that we can get the job done. And I mean, I think we came out with a W. And I can't see an L inside our whole schedule if you want to take a look. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Roto-World Football Podcast, the most important podcast in the universe. At the top, you heard an interview I had with Shaquem Griffin back at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama in January. Uh, That question started with me asking him because I watched his game, his bowl game against Auburn, and he was on the field for all 90 snaps. I talked about it on yesterday's podcast. And despite that, despite having potentially a drained motor like everyone else in the field. In those final 2 minutes when Auburn was trying to claw back and go up on the scoreboard, you saw Shaquim Griffin chase down the quarterback outside the pocket over and over and over again and just make big plays out there. And now today, we somewhat know why since he registered a 43840. And look, the story has been great all along, and it always has been. Twin brother, brother gets drafted, I believe, in the third round, goes on and becomes a starter as a rookie for the Seattle Seahawks. A linebacker with one hand who still wins conference defensive player of the year. But when you kind of get rid of all that, right, when you just isolate his play, as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, you see a player who, to me, projects as an off-ball linebacker and one that can succeed at the NFL level. I, it's, it's obvious, and it has been all along, that Jakeem Griffin will be drafted. The question now is, is it fourth or fifth round? Or maybe in the third round territory? I know I'm pulling for him. I'm, you're certainly pulling for him as well. But I would not bet against him. And it's not just his speed. It's not just the obstacles he's been able to overcome. But it's his actual game as well. It's really, really fascinating and fun to watch. So with that said, as you know, today was day five of the NFL Combine. That means we had edge rushers, defensive linemen, and linebackers. Let's start off with the edge rushing group. You know, Arden Key and Sam Hubbard elected not to run the 40. Arden Key from LSU started off his career with plenty of flashes and plenty of excitement. Um, But the past year was, I mean, there was so much turmoil. Like he took months off from being away from the team. He had a shoulder operation. He checked in uh, at LSU this offseason at like 270-plus pounds and then worked it down to, I think, 235 or something like that today. He did go through a few other activities, but we won't have a full, complete profile on him today. And Sam Hubbard was actually honest in why he didn't want to run the 40. He says he wants to run it basically on the fast track at Ohio State, and this is one time to run it, so why not wait until there? But speaking of Sam Hubbard... He was one of the three edge rushers today that went through the three cone to achieve top tier status dating back to 2006. And if you remember the first episode this week, my combine preview, the hit rate of three cone combine times that clear six, eight, nine seconds or better um, has has a high hit rate, 14 of 19, if I'm being honest. And those three names were Sam Hubbard. Harold Landry out of Boston College, and Kylie Fitz out of Utah. Hubbard almost certainly now goes in the first round, almost certainly is going to be a top 25 pick. Moving on to Harold Landry, who, when he was totally healthy, fully healthy in 2016, and even 2015, really broke out, I believe it was one night game, if I remember correctly, like a Thursday uh, he's one of the best edge rushers in this class, if not the second best. And I wouldn't be surprised if some have him as the top edge rusher. So you combine that top end tape when he is healthy with this athletic profile that passes the three cone threshold and places him with a 87th percentile total workout. I would be stunned if Harold Lender gets out of the top 20, if his medicals are all clear. And then Kylie Fitz talking about medicals dealt with plenty of them at Utah, but he was at the Senior Bowl and he looked great in many of those one-on-one, in many of those one-on-one situations. You know, he had some bend. He uses leverage. He uses hands. He uses length. And so, as one of these third-day prospects that might achieve some type of production or some type of role in the NFL. Again, qualifying here for this three-cone time as well as placing as an above-average athlete in the 82nd percentile in terms of Zach Whitman's composite score. Really, really good stuff from Kylie Fitz. As a matter of fact, a lot of these edge rushers didn't complete full workouts. I mean, Contavious Street, I put the kiss of death curse on him, and he got hurt at like the 30-yard mark of his first 40 time. Like, I'll, I'll claim that one. That one's on me. But we don't have full... Workouts from Lorenzo Carter, who's on track to be an outstanding athlete. Okoronkwo out of Oklahoma. In Wosu out of Southern Cal. Chad Thomas out of Miami, like I mentioned, Arden Key. Duke Ejiofor is coming off a labrum surgery. And honestly, we still don't have a full one with Sam Hubbard and Kamoko Ture and so many others. People just aren't finishing workouts this year. And that's fine. Like, we'll just have to wait a few more months. But for the ones that did, this is a very athletic edge rushing group and in fact linebacker group was very athletic as well but nine edge rushers produced a composite score in the 60th percentile or higher that's great that's really good out of just 18 that finished the entire workout josh sweat was the top score at in the 95th percentile and it's kind of the same thing with kylie fitz where josh sweat went through a lot of obstacles in terms of injuries i believe it was a junior or senior in high school he like He tore ligaments in his knee and dislocated his kneecap. Didn't always come together at FSU, but if we're talking about an athletic ceiling, this shows that he has one. And I need to mention Marcus Davenport and Bradley Chubb. Davenport produced a composite score in the 79th percentile, and Bradley Chubb was just after him in the 78th percentile. Both very, very, very good. Now, they didn't qualify for... Qualify for the three-cone time. That's perfectly fine. They might not be forced players in Justice Mosqueda's formula. That's fine as well. But at least in the case of Bradley Chubb, he knows how he wins. He knows what strengths he has, and he knows he can press his opponent in the backfield, shed once at the peak of his pass rush or at quarterback depth, and cross the face of an offensive tackle as well. He uses counter moves. So I'm not worried about Bradley Chubb's projection at all. Tulane's Ade Aruna is is fascinating because his jumps were incredible in terms of vertical and broad jumps. He had a very good 40 time as well. In fact, his composite score posted him in the 85th percentile. But his disparity between how good his jumps were and how poor his his agility scores were, I don't think I've ever seen as much of a drastic difference. Like jumps in the 90th percentile and then three-coned, and 20-yard short shuttle in like the ten or 9th or 8th percentile, something like that. Crazy, crazy stuff. But it it, it shows you where prospects can succeed and where they might fail. Let's move on to the defensive tackles. Vitavea pulled up, I think, after his first or second 40, so we don't have a full composite score on him. Taven Bryan out of Florida uh, showed plenty of movement and plenty of agility. You can tell why. He's extremely explosive off the snap, somewhat like Dominic Easley, but has a difficult time knowing what to do after that a little bit. He screams the Atlanta Falcons and Dan Quinn to me in terms of explosion and wanting to get a jump off the snap, right? Like Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett, guys like that in recent memory where they will work with athletes and go from there. So Taven Bryan, and it fills a need for the Falcons, to be perfectly honest. Taven Bryan only checked in at 291 pounds, but interior disruption is king. I'll say that again. Interior disruption is king. And so if Taven Bryan, like people talk about 3-4-4-3 and how he might not fit everything. Look, if a team's a nickel, if they're a, a one-gap team, like the goal is to get upfield and disrupt, especially in, in passing situations. And Taven Bryan's going to offer that no matter what team he goes to. Among other top composite scores at defensive tackle, James Looney out of Cal, who I was at the Shrine game and watched him. And I thought he was just a snap jumper in many ways, but there were times when he was the only one that was getting disruption. Everyone else was still stuck at the line of scrimmage. Turns out at 287 pounds, he still posted a 93rd percentile composite score. Taven Bryan, by the way, was 96th. Um, Foley Fadukasi out of Yukon, another Shrine guy, which is interesting. 69th percentile. Nathan Shepard, as you guys know, one of my favorite prospects in this class. Uh, in the 64th percentile um, and Harrison Phillips is an interesting one right 62nd percentile so it's 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 average basically is, is what we can chalk that up to at 307 pounds and a lot of people like him right a lot of people love that he has an area where he dominates which is against the run because of his wrestling background possibly a two gapper can also be in, in in single gaps as well but I question and I just have types. I question if you can get upfield, disrupt, and offer pass rushing situations on first, second, and third down. Or see the type kind of like Danny Shelton and some others that you might need to take off the field. Uh, Tim Settle had an awful workout despite losing about 20 pounds. But look, maybe that just fits his game. Like, he has a motor when he can chase down plays from the backside and all these highlights. But he in the second percentile, so just something to keep in mind. And I'm going to do the same thing with Deidre and Sinet. You know, someone I love out of USF, another, another shrine game defensive tackle tested in just the 12th percentile. But this happens every single year. And as much as I talk about these athletic profiles, there are times when I really like a prospect and he doesn't test well. Jameson Crowder was an example, uh, Devontae Freeman was an example. And I still stick by them because I'm comfortable with my on field evaluation. Absolutely. And as Rumford Johnny termed it, it's kind of a leap of faith that you trust your eyes and not nec- and, and think that he can kind of overcome these possible deficiencies. And I'm going to do that with Deidre and Sinet. He's He's just 100% muscle, an interesting interior one technique who does offer some upfield disruption. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to get nine sacks in a season ever, but I think he can open it up, cause some Friction and reactions and attention on up the middle, and then allow the players around him to to make plays. And I don't think you have to take him off the field necessarily. So as a rotation early on, Deidre and Sinat is absolutely one to watch. And let's close it out with linebackers. Leighton Vander Esch out of Boise State was the top linebacker score, something in like the ninety seventh percentile. I mean, gosh, he's like 6'4", 246 pounds. That's similar size to Tremaine Edmonds, who is being consistently mocked in the top 10, top 12. So if we're trying to put ourselves in a general manager's point of view, a decision maker's point of view, if they are drafting outside of the top 15, but they want an Edmonds type as kind of this rare big body off ball linebacker, maybe then they shift over and they strengthen and, and they push the evaluation up a little bit of Leighton Vander Esch. Um, he's gained about 15 pounds, I think, in the past year or something like that. Someone to watch as this process moves along. Matthew Thomas out of Florida State, another Shrine Game prospect. Thank you so much for sending me there, World. I got a, a little leg up on some of these names. Um, I'm not going to say he reminded me of Telvin Smith coming out of FSU, even though he's also out of FSU, but... Um, he certainly is the type that is this leaner frame that is just a run and chase linebacker tested in the 95th percentile. I have never watched a single snap of Oren Burks out of Vanderbilt, 6'3", 233, but also tested in the 94th percentile. Um, so I definitely, definitely, definitely need to watch him. Fred Warner's interesting one out of BYU. I thought he looked fluid and comfortable in space when watching him. Dorian O'Daniel is the same thing out of Clemson at the 64th percentile. But we all know that Shaq Griffin, Shaquem Griffin, I opened the show, so we'll close it this way, four three eight is 40. He did nothing else, so hopefully we get the full tests later on at UCF's Pro Day. But again, move him off the ball, maybe blitz him every once in a while. I think as a run-and-chase linebacker, he's a very, very interesting prospect. I know this was very much a a focused in terms of composite scores athletic testing so thank you all so much this one went a little bit long Um, hopefully you're enjoying these tomorrow will be the last one again this is day five tomorrow is day six with the corners and safeties remember they split the groups between corners and safeties for the first time this year there are also 10 more defensive backs invited this year compared to previous years as well as if you Combine all the all star corners in terms of uh, the NFLPA, the Shrine, and the Senior Bowl. This group looks to be much longer than previous years as well. So I'm not saying, like, you know, if you don't have 32 inch arms, you can't be a corner in the NFL, but certain teams see that 32 inch marker and Some certainly use it as a threshold, but some see it and they're like, oh, if you're over this, that means you offer something extra special because it's on the player card. Anyways, enjoy watching the corners and safeties. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Subscribe, 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 and tell a friend. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.